You've been listening to amazing music here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Coming up next, JM Sunday with Matis Weingast here at NahumSiegel.com.
Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another great edition of JM Sunday right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I hope it's going to be a great edition. <laughs> My name is Matis Weingast, and I'm your host for JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thanks for joining us. It's the 13th of uh, September. It is the 24th day in the month of Elul, Rosh Hashanah, just around the corner at the end of this week. Begins on Friday night. Amazing. What a year. What a year. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're marching towards it. If you're studying Dafyomi, it's uh, Ervin Lamed Hay, 35. In our area, it's 63 degrees. It's getting milder overnight these days as we head towards the fall time. The high today, 76, and uh, the low expected uh, later tonight, 70 degrees. In Jerusalem right now, it's 86 degrees, going to a low of 68 degrees. I hope you had a wonderful Shabbos, a wonderful week that passed. We're glad to be with you. For us, this is the beginning of the ninth season of the Nachum Siegel Network, JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. Amazing. That I had nine years. It's, it's crazy. It's We've been doing this for for a, a wonderfully long time. Today officially is show number uh, 413. And we've continued throughout without missing a Sunday since the beginning. It's, uh, it's great for us. And uh, it's amazing on the network. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh... Coming up at 7.30, we expect Rabbi Goldwasser. Not sure about the news from Israel uh, with Hannah Julian today. We'll have yet to uh, contact her, or be in contact with her, I should say. Uh, and uh, and we do have an interview today, uh, actually. We're going to be discussing uh, an educational program with uh, the uh, the head of Kita... Uh, Kita is the name of the uh, organization. Uh can be found at kita.org. And uh, we'll find out what Kita is about, uh, what it offers to um, to uh, students, parents, and teachers. So we'll be speaking with uh, Rabbi Ruvain Spolter, who is the founder of the program. That'll come up at about 8.20 today in about... Uh, an hour and uh, 12 minutes, 7.08 Eastern Time, here on JM Sunday in our area. In the meantime, we're going to go to music and start off with Levi Falkowitz. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us today on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, listen up. I know this gullus can be tough. We've had our fair share amount of pain. But I'm Miss Royal, don't give up. The finish line is mommy shut. So pack your bags, McGinn, Shimbalda, hey. I'm Miss Royal, listen here. I know you've waited years and years. Don't ever think you'd feel us are in vain. For I'm Miss Royal, it is clear a father can always hear his child when he calls out his name. And he'll fulfill your filia, every tefila, filia. You could be sure he'll answer your bakosho. So let your heart cry, your words will touch the sky. You know for sure, cause that's what he is waiting for. And he'll fulfill your filia, every tefila, filia. You could be sure he'll answer your bakosho.
Before that, Amudei Sheish, Lashana Haba, Benny Friedman, Gideon Levine, and Levy Falkowitz opened up our uh, song segment here this morning following uh, Moda Ani by Regesh. It's uh, 7.30 in the morning Eastern Time. Here on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network, 13th of September, 24th of El Rosh Hashanah. Coming up at the end of this week. In just a few days, the beginning of another year, the year 5781. <laughs> Unbelievable. We're here with you until 9 o'clock this morning, about another uh, hour and a half. And uh, we have an interview at 820 with um, Rabbi Ruven Spolter, who's uh, head of the... Uh, 
educational organization, Kita. We'll find out what it's all about and how it can help people, especially during these times where students are at home, many distance learning. So uh, we'll find out about that. It should be very interesting. At this time, each and every Sunday through Thursday, we present to you Rabbi David Goldwasser, Rabbi Goldwasser's words, L'Zecher Nishmas, for Rav Zev, Rabbi Yosef Alevi, and L'Zecher Nishmas, Esther, Bas, Rabbi Yosef Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good evening. Erev Rosh Hashanah, the last day of the year, is the time when we all have the power to correct our deficiencies. The Chidush Yarim says it's possible to do tshuva on Erev Rosh Hashanah for the whole past year. Our sages tell us that one day in the year is considered a year. Furthermore, we learn in Psachim that Miksasayom Kekuloi, part of the day, is considered as if it was the entire day. If an individual does tshuva on the last day of the year, that day is considered a year. Then it's going to be considered as we did tshuva the entire year. During Mincha and Erev Rosh Hashanah, we ask in our very last prayers for the previous year, Borech Oleinu Hashem Elokeinu Es Hashanah Hazois. Bless for us Hashem this year. One can ask an interesting question. In only a few moments, the year will be over. Why do we ask Hashem to bless this year? The great tzaddik, Reb Sholem of Bells, explains... Shuas Hashem Keherafayin. The salvation of Hashem is as quick as the blink of an eye. Even the last few minutes of the year still have the title of this year. And in those last few moments, our salvation can arrive. I would like to take this opportunity to wish all of our listening family a Shana Taiva Masuka a very good, healthy, and sweet year. May it be filled with all of Hashem's finest blessings, spiritually and materially. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you Morning Chizik. Sonnet, 
by Shimmy Engel here on JM Sunday as we close out another hour of uh, JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. And uh, didn't want to do that, but I could do that. Okay. (laughs) Uh, It's always something here. It's great when you have live programming. It's uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, what we hear before that? Let's just check that out. Before Shimmy Engel, Simcha Liner, Nachi Kronben, Shlemi Kaufman, Avram David, and uh, Rabbi Gowas with Morning Chizuk. Uh, we're going to get to news from Israel in just a couple of seconds. Um, following that, a little more music, and then we have an interview with... Um, we have an interview with uh, Rabbi... Ah, uh, where did I just lose that? Okay. <laughs> oh, man. It's going crazy today. Uh, anyway, we have an interview with Rabbi Ruben, uh, Ruben Spolter of Kita. That'll be coming up at about 8.20. Uh, and right now, it's time for our news from Israel. Hannah Julian is a uh, Middle East news analyst and senior correspondent at JewishPress.com. She joins us every Sunday morning to bring us up to date on the latest happenings in the state of Israel. Good morning, Hannah Julian. Good morning, Hannah Julian. Uh, let's see if we can make this connection. Uh, okay, let's try again. Uh, we are going to try one more time. Let's see. Um Let's see if we have Hannah Julian there. Hannah Julian, are you there? No, we will. <laughs> we're experiencing a little technical difficulty. Um, so 
we are going to try this one more time and we should be able to connect with uh, with Hannah Julian, I hope. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, Hannah Julian joins us every Sunday morning to bring us up to date on the latest happenings in the state of Israel. Good morning, Hannah Julian. And good morning, Matis. <laughs> it has been a busy weekend here in Israel. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu boards a plane tonight for Washington, D.C. That is where he'll be hosted at the White House by President Donald Trump, together with the leaders of two Gulf nations, not one, two. And the three leaders will make history on Monday in signing a peace agreement. Both deals were arranged in one month. This is what Netanyahu has described as a warm peace, an economic peace that will not only include the exchange of ambassadors and embassies, but will also include direct air links, tourism, agriculture, medical security, and high-tech exchanges between the three nations. Direct phone links were already set up last week with the United Arab Emirates, and a direct phone link was set up yesterday with Bahrain. In addition, there's a rumor that direct flights may also be set up shortly between Israel and Morocco. It's not confirmed, but that is the report that we were hearing last night. In other news, Housing Minister Yaakov Litzman of the United Torah Judaism Party, the former health minister, has reportedly handed in his resignation. Litzman was very angry over the decision by the coronavirus cabinet to declare a lockdown during the High Holy Days and this morning's decision by the government cabinet to ratify that decision. As a result, he handed in his resignation. The prime minister said in a statement that he very much regrets the minister's decision. He regards him very highly and he respects his decision, but the government must move forward and make the decisions that are necessary for the state of Israel during the corona period. So let's talk about what those decisions are. Basically, the state of Israel is moving into a full lockdown to take effect as of 6 o'clock Friday morning, just a few hours before the start of Rosh Hashanah. Schools will be closed on Wednesday, two days earlier. As part of the lockdown, Israelis will be restricted from moving 500 meters outside their residence. That, by the way, is about a third of a mile, or 547 yards. It's really quite a distance. It's not as bad as it sounds. Schools will remain closed throughout the lockdown period, which so, so far it's going to be about two weeks, except for special education programs. Fifth grade and up will be able to learn remotely. Public and private workplaces are going to be closed. Those who are able to work from home remotely can do so. All places, however, are going to be closed. Only remote work is allowed. Praying, tefillot, will be allowed in public spaces, but the outline is still being worked out. Restaurants completely closed, except for delivery service. So if you want that eggplant parmesan, you can get it, but it will have to be delivered to you to your home. 
All recreation, business, commerce, domestic tourism, everything shut down. Forget the hotels. That's it. Done for the time being. Two weeks at least. If and only if the lockdown brings down the number of newly diagnosed cases per day, then Israel will move to a second stage called tightened restraint. We will talk about that when it happens. It's pointless to talk about it right now, and so we're not going to go into it. How did we get here? The daily numbers of newly diagnosed cases of Israelis becoming sick with COVID-19 kept rising and then passed the 4,000 mark every day and kept going. And so the death toll also went along with it. And that is the point at which the health ministry and the government finally tossed in the towel and said, there's no choice. As of this morning, 1,108 Israelis have lost their lives to this virus. More than 500 Israelis are now in very serious condition, 513 to be precise. And of those, 139 Israelis are now on respirators in order to stay alive. There is good news, and that is that 114,000 624 Israelis have recovered from the virus since the start of the pandemic. But the virus is spreading faster than it was at the beginning, and so now is the time to take steps to contain it. On the good news front, the first scientific agreement is already up and running between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. The Weizmann Institute of Science and the United Arab Emirates Mohammed bin Zayed University of Artificial Intelligence have just made an agreement to work together. The deal was reported by the UAE State News Agency this morning. It's the first memorandum of understanding signed between Israel and the UAE higher education institutions. The project intends to advance the development and use of artificial intelligence as a tool for progress. A quick look now at the weather. Bright sunny skies today. That horrific heat wave has finally passed. It's a nice brisk 86 degrees Fahrenheit in Jerusalem. Going down to about 70 degrees tonight. Clear skies. We'll see pretty much the same weather all week long. Clear skies. Cool nights starting to move along towards autumn. Partly cloudy skies in the rest of the country and no change in the temperatures. Have a great week, everyone. Stay healthy and stay safe. I'm Hannah Julian for JM Sunday. Hannah Julian, thank you so much for joining us. I wanted to wish you and your family a uh, happy uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah coming up in just a few days. Uh, it's uh, been a pleasure having you join us these past uh, eight years. This, this, today begins the <laughs> the ninth uh, season. And you also, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we appreciate you bringing us up to date on the news from Israel and uh, what is uh, considered so important to all of our listeners to hear what's going on and uh, the, um, the the way in which you present it and the different stories. Very interesting and informative and appreciated so, uh, you know, we hope to uh, continue into the new year. And again, wanted to wish you and your family a um, a chasiva, chasimatova. Uh, 
to Thank you and the family and to everyone, to Klai Yisrael, Thank you so much. Uh, I hope that we, we will be on Erev Yom Kippur. We, we're going to be off, obviously, next Sunday. We will be on Erev Yom Kippur, so hopefully we can uh, hear your latest news there and what's been going on. And then, of course, we're going to be off for a number of weeks uh, for Yom Tov Sukkot, the second days, which um, in your in your neck of the woods is called... Uh, Cholamoid and um, Isrukag. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's one of the uh, uh, um, deficits, I guess, or whatever, about not being in Israel. Uh, right. So you have that. <laughs> that. So, again, thank you so much. Um, wish you good health, and we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks. Great. See you then. Thanks again. That's our news from Israel. Uh, thanks again, Hannah Julian. We'll see her uh, next, not next week, but next year, <laughs> right here on JM Sunday on uh, on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're going to get back to the music uh, in about um, seven minutes from now. We'll be joined by um, Rabbi Reuven Spolter, who will talk about uh, his uh, organization, Kita. We'll find out what that's all about. And uh, till then, we have uh, what do we have up next? I know we had a request from uh, Gmin on the app, and thank you so much for that. That's from Micha Gammerman's uh, Yomim Nerayim Medley. It's a long one. So we'll try to get to it after the interview, but right now we'll um, we'll hear a little bit. Uh, we'll hear a little bit from Mordechai Ben David right here on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network.
That was Mayor Sherman with Ilu Finu here on uh, JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thanks, everyone, for uh, joining uh, me this morning here on uh, on JM Sunday. It is uh, the last uh, show before the new year, before Rosh Hashanah. And uh, we are very excited uh, to be beginning the ninth season of uh, JM Sunday as part of the Nachum Siegel Network. And it is, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. And we thank you so much for joining us, all of our wonderful listeners who are out there. And uh, enjoy us every Sunday, hopefully. <laughs> enjoy the programming. We uh, heard from Rabbi Goas with Morning Chizuk. We uh, just had uh, Rabbi... <laughs> we just had Chana uh, Julian with the news from Israel and uh, and a lot of music. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we have a guest with us this morning, and his name is Rabbi Ruvain Spolter. He is uh, the founder and educator at Kita. Good morning or good afternoon, Rabbi Spolter. Welcome to JM Sunday. Thanks so much, Matis. It's great to talk to you. Same I here. I just tell you, yes. I remember many, many years ago when you started, I remember sitting in my office in Elkanah, listening on Sundays, looking forward to enjoying a little bit of uh, the, the old community. So <laughs> I've been with you from the beginning. Wow. Thank you so much for that. It's great to hear, and I'm glad that uh, all is well, and uh, you're able to join us with uh, this venture and, and talk about it. Um, Kita is an educational institution, I, I guess. Tell us a little bit about it, and let's talk about what makes it different, what makes it unique, and why it's so important at this time in particular. Thank you so much. So Kita is not an institution. It's what I call an educational platform. Mm -hmm. And I think the best way to describe it is for people who are involved in the education field and the online, it's called EdTech, education technology field. Uh, You might have heard of an institution called Khan Academy. Have you ever heard of Khan Academy? Yes, very well known. Ah, Right. So Khan Academy, it works on a principle called the flipped classroom, Mm -hmm. which means, you know, take things that, te- that students have the ability to learn on their own, algebra or biology or what have you, have them do the work or do some of the lessons at home, and then they can come in to class and do either the problems or go beyond and learn in greater detail uh, in, in school. That's the model of what we call the flipped classroom. And I realized, I've, I've actually been teaching uh, Mishnah online. I have a separate project that I, that I do called the Mishnah Project. I teach Mishnah Yomit, Mishnah Yomit, as you call it in America, every day, two Mishnah a day, using this kind of methodology. And I realized it has incredible potential in the school space, that there are a lot of online uh, programs and courses, but none of them use this, this model of what we call the flipped classroom, where students can watch and learn a Mishnah or learn a piece of Gemara and really at their own pace be able to understand the words clearly, understand the concepts clearly, answer questions, give feedback, and move to the next section. And what any educator today will tell you, people are in the education world realize, is that with the proliferation of screens and our lack of attention, children and adults, all of us, we are losing an ability to teach critical reading skills, critical understanding skills that are so important to connect us to the text, to be able to pick up a chumash and read a pasuk, to be able to pick up a mishnah and read it. Those are, those are really critical skills. And many schools 
uh, don't have the ability to convey that in a, in a classroom that's diverse. Many parents don't have the ability. So I created this tool called Kita, which essentially creates the flipped classroom for Judaic studies. That's really what it's all about. Now, if I could um, uh, you know, ask a question or make sure I have an understanding of this. You know, the usual model, I guess, is we've all grown up with uh, thinking that um, we can't learn quote, learn without a teacher in front of us lecturing to us or talking to us or occasionally calling on us to read something or to interpret something. And uh, that is not necessarily, uh, as uh, as we've seen, the best way for every student to learn. Uh, and if I understand the flipped classroom concept as you're applying it here, is the students begin to realize that they can learn on their own uh, but it doesn't mean that we don't have a classroom, and it doesn't mean we don't have a teacher. It means that certain basic information is learned by the student on his or her own, and then the classroom setting is used to take that knowledge and go deeper. Is that you, pretty much you fair? Said it, you said it well. I mean, you okay. really, you're promoting this, uh, this program. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Like, I have to tell you, the way I think about it. Think about when you were in yeshiva, or even when I was in high school. Uh -huh. They would break us up at the chavrutot, Right into chavrusas, you know, right. you would learn with your chavrusa, and however much we could get. And then when you were done, then the rabbi would say, "Okay, what did you learn? What did you understand?" And would be able to take it that much farther. Right. So, like, it's you know, Torah is called Tarashabal Peh because there's a mesorah, and you can't. That that's a critical element of learning. Obviously, the the rab is there, the rabbi's there, the mora is there, the teacher is there, and that I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I that's critical for every student's development and growth. Of course, but there are things that you can teach, that especially things that I would say in, I mentioned before, the diversity of a classroom, that the, you know, there are so many kids in certain classrooms, especially in our, in our school system, they're just differentiated. One student is a little behind, one student's a little ahead. You know, the, the Rebbe doesn't have the ability to teach to every student on their level and, and to go over with each student who didn't understand the Mishnah because the other kids want to go ahead. But if he had a tour where he said, okay, everybody go and study it, and if it's on a video, a child has the ability to go back and watch it as many times as they, as they need to in order to understand what every word means and to understand how the flow of the Mishnah works. And even, even more than that, like when it's on the screen, you can divide the Mishnah up into sections and you can color code it. All the amazing things that you can do using text on a screen that give the student, I personally, I don't know about a lot of people, I'm a visual learner. If I can see it in a chart or if I can make a connection using colors, that's much that that helps me understand in a much better way. Right. And these are all kinds of things that you can do using this incredible power of technology. Right. Exactly. Now, how does uh, how does it work if uh, and I think you, you start to explain this a little bit. How does it work if, let's say, the students are studying at, at wherever they are and uh, they're, they're studying to prepare for the class or there's there's um, they're looking at this and if they're on different levels they don't necessarily uh, get to the same level of uh, learning, whether it's the amount of learning, the time, once they get to the classroom. So within that setting, how does the teacher work with the students? So that's interesting. I would say the idea of, of our tool for the school is to create, is to create a great equalizer. You know, uh, some kids okay. get it right away and it's very easy and then the questions are easy. Whereas some kids, they didn't get it the first time, or I would even say differently, maybe the Kita lesson should be the first time they see it. And then when they come into the classroom and the Rebbe's reading the Mishnah, it's not the first time. And the kids who, who would have had more difficulty, they've already 
answered questions about the vocabulary, the critical vocabulary. Ah, They've already okay. got it right because the teacher's already seen it in his Google form that he knows the child got that little quizlet right. You know, so so it's a great equalizer, allowing I would say even the kids that are on a on a on a lower track to be able to come into the classroom being armed with information that they that they need in order to succeed in the classroom. Right. So there's a lot of feedback that the uh, teacher gets before that actual class is together. If he uses it in that way, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh-huh. I'll just explain how it works. Uh, can I just give a little background of how it works in our, you know, in a school setting? How absolutely. It, it to work. Okay, so all schools now, they deal with some kind of educational framework. Most of them deal in what's called Google Classroom. Right. I, you know, yep, sure. This is the world in which we live now. And what Google Classroom allows you to do is to assign, is to assign, uh, um, assign assignments and programs and give information and share with the entire class. So we built Kita in the format of Google Forms, meaning it's YouTube videos built into Google Forms. So a teacher gets a copy of the form. He puts it in his classroom and he assigns it to all the students in his class. And then they all answer, you know, they get put in their name and they all answer different questions and what have you. And then the teacher just receives one spreadsheet of all the answers for all the students on one screen. So he can see right away or she can see right away who answered, who did the assignment, who got the information right, who didn't understand. That's incredibly powerful when they come into the classroom to be, you know, to, to, under, to know who's ready, who's not ready, who needs a little bit more help. That, that you know, has tremendous potential. And I feel like all of these tools exist in the secular classroom. They've existed for years. Right. But in the Judaic classroom, less of these kinds of tools. There are tools, there are online programs, but I haven't seen one. That's why I think this is unique. I haven't seen programs using this Khan Academy model and allowing the schools to integrate it into their, into their learning. Right. I think also uh, most schools... Even the more uh, modern ones, and by modern I mean that are more advanced in in the learning programs and educational frameworks, like you mentioned, technology, uh, still probably feel uh, as private schools as they are that there needs to be uh, more classroom time. They need to show that their teachers and students interacting, you know, all the time uh, instead of. uh, instead of this way, and it, it'll take some time to, to catch on, but it's a very amazing concept. Now, uh, one question, um, this the work that the students do, is, is it more, for want of a better term, is it more homework, or is the classroom time different? Uh, well, now we're, and, and I guess you could bring in the fact that we're doing distance learning in general now, so maybe my, my mm-hmm. question is kind of moot. But if, if it were not distant learning and we're in class, uh, the people can go into schools, would this be more homework that they would do or uh, would the classes be adjusted? Uh, it's really up to the teacher. The, I, I would say this. We did not design this. This, this, this idea is long before COVID came around. Right. God willing, we'll be here long after. Yeah. So the idea, like, I, I, wouldn't, I, would, I, I think there's a learning curve and I think you're right. There's an initial concern about about um, bringing new things in, and schools want to show. Yeah, you're right that there that there is live learning. We envision it in one of two ways. The first way is as sort of as a as a as a classroom assignment, either to review what you did, or to or to prepare for the next day to prepare in advance. But there's no reason why you also can't do it in the classroom as well. Many schools have the kid, the students have their own uh, laptops or Chromebooks or tablets. And then the, the teacher can obviously monitor. I think what Kita is going to be able to enable teachers to do is to take it to the next level, as you all know. You know, there's, 
there's the struggle, okay, what does the Mishnah say? And what is the machlok between, you know, Rabbi Yehuda and the Tanakhama? But then you want to take it to the next level and say, what are they really arguing about? What would you do in this situation? And those thinking questions are what a teacher does. That, that's, a, that's the essence of teaching, you know, the higher order thinking skills. Once the, the student has the basic ability, which is so hard to convey, let's not kid ourselves. It's in a, it's in a foreign language. It's not easy. Right. It takes a, a tremendous amount of effort and more tools that we can give to students and teachers in order to, to do these things in a way that's exciting and interesting, I think the better the, the schools will be and the students will be. Right, exactly. What courses do you have available now for uh, class, uh, schools? So we had to pick. So right now we have, we picked, we picked five. Mm-hmm. One is a Mishnah Brachot. There's a Megillat Root course. One in Navi Yehoshua. One in Chumash in Bishalach, And the beginning of Gemara Brachot. And we aimed it towards middle schools. Because if you're going to start somewhere, we figured that that's the, the, there are a lot of schools that come up to eighth grade, and we wanted to reach as, the maximum amount of schools as we possibly could. Can I, can I mention one other thing? Of course. I just want to remind our listeners that Rabbi Reuven Spolter, who is the founder and educator at Kita, is joining us this morning to talk about a very interesting concept in education and uh, how this um, can work within our, our day schools and especially now during remote learning times can be very helpful. Uh, so, yes, please mention that. And also, I, during this remote time, I want to talk about that a little bit more, I guess, uh, students will look at these um, programs and then get together with their classroom via, let's say, Zoom or WebEx or something like that. Exactly right. I mean, uh, the one thing we learned about Zoom over the first, let, let, let me put it this way. I, I didn't hear the news from you. I didn't hear the beginning, but we're headed towards another closure. Yes, Israel. yes, that was it's mentioned. Just, it's quite obvious. It's, it's difficult. The, the country is struggling very much. Parents are struggling. But one thing we learned from the first seger or the first closure is that Zoom has limitations. Right. It has limitations. My wife is a teacher. It has limitations for the students. They can only focus on a certain amount of time. And it has tremendous limitations for the teachers as well. And I think that's something that people don't realize. It's, tremend- it's, it's tremendously challenging not only to lead a school class in Zoom, but to prepare classes that are appropriate for online learning. And so we envision Kita, these, les- these, these, these lessons, as a, as a really... Um, a very, very, if God forbid, and I really, like, I'm in a strange position because I don't want to benefit. I, I hope that all the schools remain open and will grow slowly. Right. But if God forbid in these schools across the country, they have to close down again. You, just, you can't, students can't be in, you know, on Zoom all the time. And that's what's called synchronous learning. Mm-hmm. So you have to have asynchronous solutions. You have to have solutions that students can do on their own. So we'll have half an hour of Zoom, now do this lesson, and we'll meet in another hour. And that's what schools have understood, that that's the best way for them to learn. Now, they have all these asynchronous solutions for, as we said, secular subjects, but there are very few of them for Judaic subjects. And so we see this, I see this as an opportunity to, to give to schools that even if they're not learning our specific material right now, it's something that teachers will have as a tool in order to assign meaningful work, really meaningful learning right. that's right. asynchronous. Right, that makes sense. By the way, I, so I don't know if you heard the news. It was we we did have it mentioned. Hannah Julian told us at the top of the hour that I, I believe the cabinet uh, and the government decided that there's going to be a complete lockdown starting on uh, Erev Yom Tov this week, and schools are closing as of Wednesday. They decided. Uh, they made the decision. Yay! They okay. apparently made the decision, and it'll be closed. Every everything, businesses, everything, according to what she said, will be closed down for two weeks at least. 
and apparently Housing Minister Litzman resigned in protest because of that. Uh, so okay. I'm give, we'll I've got another. from 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 Elizabeth, New Jersey. I'm giving you, who's in Israel, the news from Israel. So uh, this is what this this is part of uh, you know modern uh, uh, technology can be used in good ways, right? Yeah. It, it could Which be is exactly what we're talking about. So I, I actually wanted to mention. One other, we, we opened another sort of branch of Kita. Okay. So one, one, one idea is to present these courses for schools for you know, a relatively reasonable fee to buy an entire course, and then okay. they can deploy it and teachers can change it. But we also opened what we call the Kita classroom because there are many, many families that either homeschooled originally. There are many families that are priced out of the Jewish day school system. And many families that are not sending their kids to school, as I, I received a call today from a, from a parent in Israel who, who's looking to enroll their child in the Kita classroom because they want them to get meaningful Judaic learning, you know, even when they're in the lockdown here in Israel. Right. And so, so we created our own Google Classroom framework. I have a teacher from England. His name is Rabbi uh, Jonathan Simons. And he manages, it's almost like, a, you know, a sort of like a school environment in and of itself that's online, that's what we said, the same asynchronous learning. Now, obviously, if you ask me, obviously, every parent, if they can, should send their child to Jewish day school. There's no, there's no, there's no replacement for that. Right. But that, for, that's a parent, whole other discussion on why we have such a, an expensive system and everything else, but. For another yeah, 100%, year. <laughs> but that's, I'm, that's, you know, we have our own problems in yeah. Israel, and, 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 and I am the biggest supporter of Jewish day school learning, but as we all know, there are many, many children who are not getting meaningful Jewish learning, meaningful, right. you know, fundamental skills, and I see this as really an important avenue for them to consider, to say, okay, you know, they, they should have two, three lessons, four lessons a week in Judaics, that, that's measurable, that's quantifiable, it's not just a subject, but they're learning Mishnah, they're learning Gemara. I feel really that that has a lot of potential, and if parents want to, they can find out about it on our on our website, kita.org, K-I-T-A-H dot O-R-G. And right, uh, especially yeah. with what you mentioned about skill building is so important because even the um, programs, and I, I glanced a little bit at the website last week when I knew we were going to be speaking, and I, I saw some of the um, examples. So not it, it's not just like you mentioned before, uh, a... a teacher in a class will break everybody up into chavrusas and say, okay, study among yourselves. You have, let's say, two or three students who have certain levels and abilities, but they may not know or be able to work beyond that. Your program allows for skill building, not just the learning ahead of time. So it, it's it's really twofold, it seems. it's They get to spend time learning about the basics, let's say it's Mishnah, whatever it is, and then they go into the classroom for deeper knowledge, but your your programs, your sessions, your videos helps them build skills also within the topic they're learning. Hundred percent. I mean, that's that's really the essence of it. More than the more than the content, the essence is the reading skills, the understanding, the comprehension skills. I'm really, I really feel uh, moved that you look through it, and uh, that's a really resounding endorsement. I, I, I did my much. homework, and my wife is a, a special education teacher and has been for many years. So I ran by some of the terms with her. On, you know, I didn't know about a flipped classroom until uh, I asked her, and I looked up into that. And also, uh, something called basically your, um, and I guess educators will understand this more you have 
design these courses as non-frontal learning, and I alluded to that in the beginning without using that name, that our typical system is a teacher gets up in front of a class and lectures and teaches, and then everybody's supposed to listen at whatever level they're on. They're still supposed to listen and get it as a teacher is speaking for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, um, as opposed to non-frontal learning where uh, it's not in that classroom setting. Everybody's uh, studying individually. It's, it's and very interesting. The world is changing. Yeah. I mean, as we, as we know, like Google has changed the world. Yeah. And, and and no, it has. I mean, seriously, I know, every did. piece yeah. of information is at your fingertips. Yeah. One of the things that, that's amazing about the Internet is every piece of Torah information exists on the Internet. A lot of other things, too, unfortunately. Right. But the trick is not that it's there, but somebody to guide you about how to use yes, it. Yes, exactly. And, and, that, and teachers are going to understand. Secular teachers already understand this that it's guided learning, project-based learning. It's called PBL. That's a very big yeah, uh-huh. topic now, project-based learning. And I think us Judaic teachers, we're a little behind sometimes, but they will also understand it's not, it's, it's not God forbid, to replace teachers. Teachers are critical. Their, their role is more important than ever because there's information overload. Exactly. It's how to process the information. You're, not, you're no longer the owner, the arbiter. You no longer control the information. But more than having control, people need a guide to the information. How do I process this? What does it mean to me? What's it, what's it there for? Right. And if you, if you think about it, in, in um, many classes, whether they be secular or, or Judaic, um, many of the classes are there to teach students information for right now, for what they might need in the near future. Uh, but general learning in, let's say, Gemara, Chumash, uh, Navi, those classes are designed to be uh, life learning skills. Um, so it, it, we may, I, 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 it's almost like I'm thinking that it, it, to to have those classes in the traditional sense is not the way to do it. Your way is the way to do it because even even when somebody studies Gemara, let's say in a in a in a shear in a classroom. They're not doing it just to learn that particular Gemara. They're learning it in a way that they can learn all the other Masechahs of Gemara throughout their life. Same with with Tanakh. So uh-huh. the way you're doing it would should help no matter what scenario and should be the way I, of doing it. I agree. It. I think we'd, we underestimate the challenges that teachers face today, mm-hmm. trying to teach Aramaic, trying to teach, I mean, even there, there's, a, there's a learning curve in everything that's yeah, valuable. Yeah. It's a very strong learning curve, and it's very hard to overcome that learning curve. And if you can have other tools that will help you and your students overcome them, I think that that could be very powerful. Right, absolutely. A couple of questions. For for teachers who want to uh, see some examples or or get some samples, uh, or for administrators who want to look and see what you have, uh, is the best way to go to the website uh, and uh, contact you through that? Massachusetts, do exactly what you did, kita.org. We named it Kita, obviously, for our listeners who don't know. Kita means class. (laughs) Right. Right. It's worthwhile to say. That's true. Because that's really what it's about. That I think the website is somewhat self-explanatory. We're, we're constantly adding more information. We're going to add how to, how to you know, for teachers, how to create a Kita classroom, because I think that's somewhat overwhelming. I, I think it's very overwhelming 
often you've been teaching a certain way for five years and all of a sudden somebody says, no, you got to do it over Zoom and Google Classroom. <laughs> right, that's... And, and to be honest right now, my understanding is that educators are mainly focused on keeping the class healthy. Yes. And, you know, yes, staying that, open. I, I'm important. totally sensitive. That's important. And, and also, just to be clear, the classes that you have set up now are not meant to be completely standalone. So it's not like you're taking an online course that is given at uh, schools or colleges or whatever for which you would have a, a complete class class and get credit or whatever. This, that's not the setup that you have. So people shouldn't think that, oh, you're just throwing them, you know, some class they do on their own. This is meant to integrate and improve a person's skills within the classroom setup. I spent a number of years in America teaching classes on this exact level. Uh-huh. And, and I, no one knows better than I the critical importance. I would tell you, students learn from people. You know, you can learn how to, I would say, you can learn how to, I don't know, fix a toilet by watching YouTube. Right. You, you cannot learn, you, and you can learn information about Mishnah. Right. But the Torah is what we call Torah Chaim. Mm-hmm. It's an Eitz Chaim. And that can only be given, it's not about information, it's about transmission. And so all I feel that I'm doing is helping teachers become better transmitters. Right. That's what I feel I'm doing. Right. This is great. Um, you have schools in the United States that are currently using the program. Uh, we have right. one school that signed up. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, but we're, we're trying to reach out and get the word out. I must say, it's not simple to get the word out to, to, to schools. We've had great interest and great excitement in general, but when push comes to shove, I, like I said, I think people are just trying to get their sums open, and yeah. hopefully, we'll we'll. we'll Develop more more deep relationships as time goes along. Right. This this time period is very very difficult. So, yeah. you know, I wish I had slacha with it. It's a it's an amazing program, and uh, as you uh, said, it's not an institution. It's a more of a platform, uh, yes. and. Uh, you know, again, the, the best way of reaching you, Rabbi Spolter, is uh, at uh, kita.org. Yes, um, Spolter, S-P-O-L-T-E-R, Spolter, at kita.org. Or you, we have, you can leave us, a, you know, there's a form there, contact us, and I'm pretty good about getting back to people. Excellent. I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning and explaining the entire program. And, of course, for doing this and spending your time and all the other educators' times that, um, that you have on the staff. We didn't get a chance to talk about them. You mentioned one of them. Uh, and I'm sure you have a phenomenal staff that is not only well-versed uh, in, um, in teaching, but also well-versed in the material. And, and obviously, they go hand-in-hand. One of the beautiful things is that because it's global and online, like I reached out to a teacher, a Tanakh teacher in Cleveland, right. who created an incredible course Megillat Root, you know, just like you can take, you can, you know, reach out to people, and there's an excitement about trying to create something different and something new and using educational technology. Exactly. So I just want to say thank you for having me on, and uh, I guess the best bracha that we can give each of us is that uh, we should all have uh, health and well-being in this challenging new year. Really, it's a very, very challenging new year, and that Hakadosh Baruch Hu should give us the seichel to appreciate his brachot. Amen. You, you, you said it. I can't uh, say better. I'll, I'll echo your words. Thank you again, Rabbi. Have a Shana Tova. And, Shana uh, Tova to you and all of your listeners. Thank well. you again. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. It is uh, 8.48 Eastern Time, a.m. Eastern Time here on JM Sunday. My thanks to Rabbi Reuven Spolter of Kita.org. Amazing uh, discussion and information on uh, on teaching and, and all the different uh, methodologies that he's employing in, in here. So kita.org, if you're an educator, uh, administrator, uh, parent, 
Go to Kita.org, find out what is there and how it could benefit you as it uh, has benefited others so far. We're going to go to uh, some music, Shmakalena by Yehuda, right here on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Yoel Weiss closing out today's show with Adon Olam. And uh, my thanks to uh, my thanks to Rabbi Spolter. Uh, listener um, Devora said, Rabbi Spolter is a fantastic teacher. I heard a terrific shear from him last night uh, that was on the app. So thank you so much for uh, for mentioning that. Yeah, it was uh, quite interesting what is um, what is going on in the educational field and, and the innovations that are there and uh, how important it is to um, have all of these different uh, programs. But kita.org, go there and check it out for administrators, teachers, and parents. Very important, um, especially now with what is uh, going on in our crazy world. <laughs> Absolutely crazy world. And uh, this year is, is coming to an end. This coming Friday night, God willing, at the beginning of Rosh Hashanah 5781. And I want to take the opportunity to uh, to wish our listeners and the entire, uh, entire Nachum Siegel Network family uh, and especially people who uh, help on this show, um, from uh, Rabbi Golwasser and Hana Julian, uh, and uh, all the people behind the scenes, Avrami, uh, and to ZK, and of course to Nachum and his family, and to Miriam Wallach, the general manager of uh, the Nachum Siegel Network, for running these, uh, for running everything over these last eight years. We're entering now the ninth season. Unbelievable. And God willing, we will have a good year ahead. And uh, again, want to wish everyone a Shana Tova. We'll see you in uh, two weeks. Ervium Kipper will be here. Till then, uh, have a great few weeks. Have a great Yom Tov. And we'll catch you here on JM Sunday, right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. You've been listening to Matis Weingast and JM Sunday on NahumSiegel.com right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.